listen to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heart Seas Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. Build a community. Build a community. Well, this is our last message in our mini-series, just the second message in our mini-series called Love Like Jesus. Can you say that with me? Love Like Jesus. Because that's what he is instructing every one of us to do. This is really the prequel, as we said last week, to Easter. This is the story before the story. This is what set up the main event of Easter. Because we love the love of Christ that was displayed upon the cross. And you better say amen for that. Because the reason we're here is because he went to the cross. Because he loved us that much to lay down his life, to give his life. Thank God for the greatest display of love in one moment ever upon the cross. But there's more. There's more. The love... The example that took him to the cross. Think about that. The love on the cross, thank God. But what about the love and the example he leaves and he brings to every one of us to follow as he went to the cross? It was that which qualified him to pass the test. How many knows in life you're going to face many tests? Come on, remember being at school? Some of you still at school. It's, it's not a nice thing when the teacher says we have a test on Friday. For most of you, like, man, what? Freak out. Not good. Some people ain't good at taking tests. Anyone in here? You're not a good test taker. Good with everything else. Your curriculum, coursework, papers. But man, when the tests come, you kind of freeze. You kind of, what? You kind of freak out. But what do you know is this? Are you ready? You don't just wake up in the morning and ace a test. Well, maybe some of you do, but we're talking about normal people. Come on. You don't just wake up in the morning and ace a test. Preparation and planning is paramount. You've got to cram. You've got to study. You've got to get those notes out. You've got to read through those things. Study guides. Read out. You've got to know what is happening. I remember when we were kids, our teacher wouldn't give us a study guide. They would say, hey, we've done six weeks of work. Hey, you need to know it all. So learn it. And here's what our teacher would do. You know, just before the test, any of you like this? You're like the last minute in your textbooks and you kind of cram it. You know what our teacher would do? He would come by and grab our textbooks and take them away. And he would say to us these words, if you don't know it by now, you'll never know it. You'll never know it. In fact, he said, you're going to confuse yourself more by trying frantically at the end to do something that you should have done beforehand. Come on, there's a message in this today. Listen to the scripture from 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9 from the New Living Translation. It says these words, Stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion. Key thought there, he's like, he's not is. Big difference, he's like. 
He's in the appearance of. He is looking for someone to destroy, to devour, to take out. Verse 9, but stand firm against him in your faith. Come on, say with me, in my faith. Remember that the family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering that you are. That helps me to know that other people are facing the same troubles with me. But I like how New King James says, verse 9, it says these words, Resist him steadfast in the faith. In other words, I'm going to change that. I'm going to put that in my own words. Are you ready? Here's the statement. If you're taking notes, you need to write this down. You can be prepared or you can be scared. Come on now. You can be prepared or you can be scared. Here's too many Christians. Too many Christians are scared stiff that the devil's going to jump out at them at any time. They're like afraid to wake up in the morning because what if the devil opposes me? They're like afraid. It's like around every corner. They're like looking because, oh, he's going to jump out and scare me. So many people are paralyzed by fear to the fact that they are not doing anything. They're not living the purpose and the plan that God has for their lives. Come on, say with me, not God. Come on, help me out. There's not many people in here, so you need to help me. You ready? Not God. God. It's not God and it's definitely not good. God doesn't want us to live in fear. What if I get sick? What if I, my kids don't turn out? Or what if I have a car accident? What, what, what if this and that? Come on, so many people are bound by fear. And the Bible tells us that the enemy's out there. But how we resist him and stand against him is that we've got to be steadfast in our faith. You know what that means? We've got to have a relationship with Jesus. Come on, we've got to be in a relationship with Jesus. I prepare my life to overcome the daily onslaught of Satan. How? On my knees in prayer. Come on, I'm not always on my knees. It's just a figurative speech. But I pray and start my day. I know my day when I haven't prayed. I said, I know the difference in my day when I haven't prayed. How else do I prepare my life? I read the Word. I get in prayer and I get in the Word. may only be a couple of verses a day, but make it count. Read the Word. Get it inside of your life. I prepare my life through having a relationship with God. So when I'm in relationship and I'm reading and I'm studying, I'm not concerning myself with other things. Why? Because I'm placing my confidence in God. And God is the one that's going to bring me through. Man, I could preach that today. You may say, well, you already have. No, this is just my introduction. You see, so many of us are focusing on the wrong thing. Here's the thought. We're focusing in on the fear instead of what? Having faith. We're looking at the fear instead of the faith that we need to have in our lives. You don't overcome temptation by focusing on temptation. Let me prove that to you. Everyone right now in your minds, can you picture a red hammer? Can you see a red hammer in your mind? If you need to close your eyes to focus a little bit better, do whatever it takes. Can everyone picture a red hammer in your mind? You can picture it? Picture it right now. Stop thinking about a red hammer. Don't think about a red hammer. Don't think about it. What are you seeing? You're seeing a red hammer. The more you try not to think about that one thing, the more it becomes prevalent in your mind. It's the same with temptation. If we think we can beat temptation by focusing on the temptation, we're going to do ourselves an injustice. Because you know how you build and how you overcome temptation. Are you ready? You fall more in love with Jesus. Come on, you fall more in love with Jesus. 
Come on, as husbands, we shouldn't be worried about having an affair on our wives. Why? Because we just fall more in love with our wives. So many people are focused, oh, I can't do this. Fall more in love with your wife. Fall more in love with Jesus and you're not going to succumb to those things anymore. Why? Because it's the proper focus. Or as we're talking about in this message, it's the proper preparation that when the tests come, you're going to be prepared and ready. So once again, I want to look at the life of Jesus and how we can love like Jesus. And all the lights just went out. You like that mood swing right there? And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at the life of Jesus. We know why he came. I hope most of us in here, if not all of us, know why he came. John 10.10 gives us great insight to why Jesus came. The Bible speaks of the thief, the devil, the enemy, the adversary, the one who's out to get us. He has come to what? Steal, to kill, and to destroy. He's come to take us out. Not good. But Jesus says these words, but I have come that you may have what? Life and life more abundantly. Why did he come? To give us life. Another reason Jesus came was he came to give us that life of right, um, abundance. But Jesus also said these words, I didn't come for the righteous, but I came for the unrighteous. Come on now. He said, I came for the unrighteous. I came for the sinner. God said, I came to give my life as a ransom for many. Jesus said this. Here's another reason why I came. He said, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve other people. Come on, we could go on and on because there's literally hundreds of reasons why Jesus came to show God's love to every one of us, to connect us to God. And that's really what I want to talk about today. Our thought is this, building community, connecting, being a family, being engaged with other people, because that's what Jesus came to do. Because that's the why he came, but how did he come? Have you ever thought about that? How did Jesus come? Jesus came as a man. He came as a man, Philippians 2, 6 and 7, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. In other words, he was equal with God, but yet he made himself, verse 7, of no reputation. He took on the form of a bondservant and came in the likeness of man. I like what Luke says because I think Luke breaks it down even further when we think about Jesus being a man. Look what Luke 7 Verse 34 says, the Son of Man has come. How? Eating and drinking. Come on, say that with me, eating and drinking. The Son of Man, Jesus, the Savior of the world, God came as a man eating and drinking. What a picture it paints of every one of our lives. That's what we do. He came just like us. He came eating and drinking. But yet, look what the people around said. But look, he's a glutton and he's a wine-bibber. He's a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But Jesus here, what a great picture. He's just hanging out with other people. Last week we talked about how he got down and washed their feet. No one else would do it. But Jesus washed their feet. And I pray that you are using your gifts to serve other people. I pray that message stirred your heart last week and motivated you to say, man, I need to be involved. I need to be serving. But now what do we need to see? What do we see from God's word? How he came. Jesus came eating and drinking. What you've got to understand is back then meals had a significant importance. 
And mealtime is a lot different to what we see around us right now. Most people, they're eating on the run, they're eating in their cars, they're just flying by, eating on the couch, eating in their rooms, just all these kind of things, very little of everyone together. I just want to say this, it's so important that you have a family meal together. Make it a priority in your home to sit down as a family and have a meal together. Put the cell phones aside, turn the TVs off and sit there. And your kids are going to feel awkward and they're going to want to leave. But you tell them, no, we're having a family time and we're having a meal together. But back then when we're talking about Jesus eating and drinking with other people, a meal was an event. It's almost like a crawfish ball. Anyone know what I'm talking about? It's an event. It takes hours. Planning, preparation, cooking, cleaning, eating is the best part. That can take a long time too as you just sit there and you hang out. But what's one of the greatest things about eating crawfish? It's not just eating the crawfish. It's fellowship. It's hanging out. It's talking with other people. And that was the whole thought of a meal back then. It was a deep fellowship. It was a time of meaningful conversations that people sat down and engaged in each other's lives. How important was that? Just before Jesus was going to be crucified, what was he doing? Having a meal with the boys. Come on, he was in the upper room with his disciples having a meal. That was the last thing that I'm sure he wanted to do. But what was he showing? The example of our lives, the importance of connecting and being around with your closest friends, talking about important things as they broke bread, the Bible says, together. An example, I believe, that each one of us needs to see and live for our lives. Look now at the early church in Acts chapter 2. Jesus is resurrected. He's come back. There's a movement that's taken place as Pentecost has come. And thousands have been added to the church. There's a great revival that's taken place. But notice what happened as the result of that revival. I want to say it this way. I really believe this. What brought about the revival was people knew how to love like Jesus. Because look what it says in Acts 2, 42 verse 47. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. One translation says they devoted themselves. They made a devotion. They made a commitment. They made a stand. What? To the, prof- to the doctrines of the apostles. But they also devoted themselves to fellowship and the what? Breaking of bread. Eating together. And in prayer. Then... Fear came upon every soul. I don't believe there's by chance that the then comes after the fellowship, after the communion, after the family, after being together. Every soul came, uh, fear came upon them and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common. They sold their possessions and goods divided amongst all as anyone had need. So they continued daily. They devoted themselves with one accord in the temple. They broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Verse 47, praising God or having favor with all people. And the Lord added to his church daily those who were being saved. It became a community to them. They weren't no longer individuals, they were a family. They continued together. They went to church together. They fellowshiped together. They connected themselves and became a big 
family. Then what? Signs and wonders were done. Come on now. Signs and wonders were done and people were added daily to the church. I wonder if that's how our lives look today. I wonder if our lives look like community, family, fellowship. I can answer that for many people. The answer is no. For many people, there's no connection, there's no community, there's no family. And as a result, I really believe we're missing out and losing more than we realize. What do we see in society today? Society is pushing everyone for independence. You need to be independent. You need to go out on your own. You need to do your own thing. Like even in our, in our Molly school, you know, the teachers are saying, oh, you just need to leave home and go to college, out of state. You need to go teachers, people, society. They're pushing and promoting. Man, you just need to be independent. Did you realize that that's everything against what God says we need to be? Because God is not dying for our independence. God is dying for us to be dependent upon Him. There is a need that we have in our lives to be dependent upon God. You can't have a relationship with God if you're independent. You can't have a relationship really with other people if you're, not, if you're independent. You can't save yourself, so you need Him. We were made to be dependent upon God and to each other. Now, please, notice I didn't say needy. Come on, there's a difference between being dependent and needy. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Some people are very needy, clingy, and all those things. You need to deal with that. You need to find your confidence and and your security in God. But God made us to be dependent upon each other. So as a result of society taking us down the wrong pathway, we look around us today and we see it's slowly destroying our community and the way we live. Some people write it this way, that it began with AC. They blame it on air conditioning. Why? Because before there was air conditioning, what would people do? People would sit out on their front porches and they would hang out with their neighbors. Then there was another step forward. All of a sudden, our garages that used to be detached from our houses, so that would mean that when you pulled up with your car, you had to walk from your garage to your house. Hey, how you doing? Connecting with community. Now our garages became attached to our house. And then there came another invention, the electronic garage door. So now you don't even have to get out of your car, open the garage door, go in, pull it down. You can just sit in your car, open the door, be in your house, and you don't even have to... Say hello to anyone around. Then there was fences. People put fences around their houses. Used to be years ago, there were hardly any fences. Everyone's neighbor just went into the next. Everyone just worked together. But now we have fences to keep us shut in so we can be in our yard and not even see those around us. Gated communities keep out who we don't want in. Then what about the answer machine? Anyone remember the answer machine? Showing your age if you did. How great was that? Well, I can catch my calls when I'm not home. But guess what? It began to be I'll catch the calls even when I am home. Because then I can catch and see if it's someone I want to talk to. It even got better when caller ID came. Woo! Don't want to choose to talk to them right now. All these things. But what is it doing? Separating us. We say, oh, it's progress. And oh, it's great. And oh, it's awesome. But what has it done? It's made us lose something very important. About shopping online now. People don't even have to leave their house. I love Amazon. I don't know about you. I love Amazon. And you can do all this shopping. And now you don't even have to leave the house. Social media. Oh, great. Can connect with everyone. But you know you can have friendships and not even hear a voice. 
You can have all these plans of what we're going to do and never even plan to do those because it's so easy just to text. Oh, we need to go and have lunch. We just need to do this. Oh, your family looks great. But the reality of it all is this. You are in your own world, reaching out to other people, but never connecting like you should. Do you see what I'm saying? And we've got to get back. We've got to find something. Because that passage I just read from Acts chapter 2, how they devoted themselves and and they did everything for each other and they loved each other and God added to their church. Can I read the version of what it sounds like right now? Can I really read the modern day version of Acts chapter 2 and verse 42 through 47? It goes something like this. Today Christians are devoted to themselves. They go to church sometimes if they feel like it. And as a result, not many miracles are taking place. They're living for themselves and therefore they have little in common with others. Oh, they sell their belongings, but only to buy more stuff for themselves. They live in their own worlds with little concern or interest of others. There's no overflow of joy and happiness as they are burdened down with life and their personal needs. As a result, our churches, our communities and families are failing And the hope of the world has been replaced. Jesus, the hope of the world, has been replaced. You can say ouch if you want. Because unfortunately that's what we see around us today. Oh, there's a new devotion, but it's not to each other. It's to me, my, I. Become so selfish. Something completely against God and His way. And so what do we find? We're following a different example. And we're following an example that has proven over and over and over and over again that's not going to work. It's not going to work. It's not going to bring you what you need. That's why people are turning to alcohol, drugs, all these things. Why? Because they're in their own world trying to find their own answers. You're not going to find your own answers in your own world. You find your answers by being around other people, being in a community, being in a family. What's the definition of stupidity or insanity? Anyone know? Come on, it's doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. You're going to see the same thing over and over again. So maybe we need to look and realize, hold on a second, I need to look at my life. If I'm expecting something different but I'm getting the same, then I've got to look at the numbers I'm plugging in. Because something needs to change to get the other side to equal something different. We've got to look like Jesus. Come on, say with me. We've got to love like Jesus. Come on, we've got to connect with other people. That's the culture that you stepped into here. We're just a big family. I said, we're a big family. Some people have wrongly said, oh, you're just a small family. I love this church because it's small. Well, don't get too happy with the smallness because we're not a small family. We're a growing family. And we're going to see God add to this church and we're going to see growth in this church. Why? Because there's power in connection, being together. Acts 2, 42 through 47. Read those verses when you get home. Circle, underline in your Bible. How many times do you read of together, daily, with each other, that you read was the foundation for God to move in two powerful or two in absolutely incredible ways. I want to give you two simple points today. Just two simple points for this message. How can I love like Jesus 
by connecting with other people. That's what I want to talk about just really quickly. How can I love like Jesus through my connections with other people? The first point is this, at church. At church. Man, I could talk for weeks on church. Church is one of my most favorite subjects to talk about. Why? Because I love church. I love church. You know why I love church? Because God loves church. How do you know that, Pastor? Because he called his church his bride. His most prized possession on this earth, God calls his church his bride. That's how much he loves us. That's how much he loves you. That same love needs to be something that each and every one of us has in our heart. David woke up and said, man, I'm excited to be in church. Paraphrase, man, I can't wait to be in the house of God. I was excited today to wake up. I knew the weather was going to be bad. I was still excited to come to church today. I was rocking coming to church today. I had my music full on. I was just singing. I was praising. I was excited to be in the house today. But here's why you need to be in church. Hebrews 10 Verse 25 says these words, And let us not neglect our meeting together. Say with me, church. Church. Let's not neglect church. Let's be in church. Notice what it says, as some people have done, or as some people are doing or do. But encourage one another. You need to be in church. You need to be in church, not to encourage them only to be in church, but the encouragement that you feel when you come to church. Anyone been lifted today by the encouragement of someone else? Just a word, a smile, you just lifted your spirit. We encourage one another, especially now as we see the day of his return drawing near. In other words, we better be in church now more than ever because we need it now, the Bible says, more than ever. And I believe the word of God. We need to be in church. I love how the Message Bible says it. Listen to this. Let's see how incentive we can be in encouraging love and helping out. Not avoiding worshipping together as some do, but spurring each other on, especially as we see the big day approaching spurring each other on. Man, I'm glad when I can come and someone can spur me. Man, I I need a kick up the backside sometimes. I need someone to say to me, what's your problem? What's going on? I need someone to put their arms around me and love me, but sometimes I need some people to slap me upside the head and say, come on, guy, what are you doing? I need that spurring on. Because if not, if we're not spurred on, we're just going to keep plodding through life and nothing really changes. A little bit like Eeyore. Anyone ever watched Winnie the Pooh? No one likes me, everyone. Come on, we need a spur just to get us going just a little bit. Give us a revitalization in our lives. And that's why church is so important. So important. We, we like to say it this way in church. We want to have what we've called a touch zone. We, we want a touch zone in this church. What does that mean? We want you right now. Come on, reach out wherever you're at right now. Just swing your hand around. You should be able to touch someone right now. If you can't touch someone right now, then you're in the wrong place. Come on, I said you're in the wrong place. Because you have isolated yourself from someone. We, we want people to be in a place where they can reach out and touch other people. Not that we're going to grab each other in church, but we don't want people to be on their own is what we're saying. We want to connect. If you see someone on their own, go and sit with them, talk with them, hang out. That's something we want to do every time. Develop a a, a habit of when you come to church, finding someone you've never seen before. You've maybe seen them, but you really don't know them. Don't know their name. Introduce yourself. Talk to them. Hey, can I sit with you? Come and sit with me. Here's my family. Here's my friends. Really look to build that into your community because church is important. 
Here's something else I'll say about church. Are you ready? Presence matters. Presence matters. Being together matters. Have you ever been on your own? Dark night in a house. It's kind of creepy. You hear a noise and you're like, man, I've got to get up and do something. When you're on your own, it could be pretty scary. You can be pretty freaked out. So what can you do now? With technology, you can pick up the phone and you can call someone. How much does it help just to have someone on the other line when you're walking through the house? Who would say that's better than being on your own? Come on, let me see. Come on, let's participate. Everyone agree that's better than being on your own. But you know what's best? Have someone with you. Having someone with you is the best more than the better. And so many times we look for better things in our lives instead of the best things. And our presence matters. You know they tell us right now, Statistics that the average American Christian is in church one time per month. The average American Christian is in church one time a month. Break that down. That's about two hours a month they're in church. It's amazing when you think two hours they're in church a month and they're probably on their cell phone more than two hours a day. Social media, checking emails, doing all that. We're given more time in one day than what we are in a month to God. Hey, there's some really cool apps that you can get on your phone. One's called Moments. I encourage you, put Moments on your cell phone, and it will show you how many hours and minutes you spend on your cell phone in one day. You will be shocked, and you will be amazed. A free app right there. But think about this. I want the pastor, I want God to transform my life, but yet I'm only prepared to give him two hours a month. Ron Luce, he was the leader of Teen Mania. And there was a movement that they had all over America called Acquire the Fire. And it was quite a a prolific movement probably about 10, 15 years ago. And they would go into major cities and they would have major events for young people and thousands upon thousands of young people came. And he wrote a book. And in his book, the first three chapters of his book looked like this. Different perspectives from different people. One of the chapters was the perspective of a child. One was the perspective of a parent. And the other was the perspective of a youth pastor. And the parent said, I cannot believe my kid has been rebellious like this. And I cannot believe my youth pastor is not doing something about it. Well, you read what the youth pastor and the kid says. You begin to understand why. Because the youth pastor says, man, I'm pulling my hair out. Because how do parents expect me to change their kids on just one hour a week? And then the kid is saying, how do my parents and everyone expect me to be changed if they're not modeling the example at home? Come on now. And they're not bringing me to church. There's a lot more hours in the week and month than just church time. So we've got to be the church. We've got to take the church wherever we're at. Look around us today. There are many whys why we can't be in church. Let's be honest, there's many whys. Weather's a big why today. But I just want you to know, and I don't say this being insensitive, Kelly and I have six kids too. We have a lot of whys. We're going to have to race away today for a soccer game. It's probably going to be cancelled now, but we've got a lot of things that we have to do. But you know what? With all the things that we have to do, and we live a busy life, there's something that's known in in our house, and that is this. Are you ready? Church is a priority. Church is a priority in our home. If you want to trump church for something else, well, I'm just too tired. I just need to work around the house. 
Well, it's too hot today to go to church. Oh, it's too cold to... If you want to put those things and trump church by something else and never allow church to trump everything else, I'm going to say these words, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised when your kids don't want to come to church. Don't be surprised when you see your marriage and your family beginning to go in the wrong direction. Because what do we hear? We've got to spare each other along. Even so much more as the day is approaching. Look, if you want something better, then you've got to choose to do something better. You want something better in your life? Then choose to do something better. If not, you're going to get the same results. Don't reduce church to a Facebook post. Don't reduce church to a podcast. Facebook podcast, they are great when you cannot be in church. But don't let that be the substitute or the reason why you're not in church. Come on, let me preach that. It's great when you can't be here and you're sick or the weather's really bad and you can't leave the house. Wow, it's great that I can tune into my church, but don't let it become a thing of habit because now I can just stay at home and I can enjoy my church. No, 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 no. Don't reduce church because church is much more than that. Church is a family. It's a place you need to connect. It's a a place we need to come and break bread together. Come on, we can break bread together at Cafe Hope. You can buy a latte. Come on, you can break bread together and sow into a ministry here in this church. Second point, nearly done. How can I love like Jesus by being connecting by connecting with others, first at church, and then second, with a community. With a community. Be in a community. Build proper friendships and relationships around you. Even God himself looked down at Adam lost, as God gave him everything that he thought he needed. But yet Adam was lost because there was not a friend, someone comparable to him. And what did God say? It's not good that man would be alone. From the beginning of time, God has spoken that. And it's the same in every one of you. It's not good. Proverbs 18, I haven't got this on the screen, but Proverbs 18.1 says, A man who isolates himself, he rages against all wise judgment. You're going to make wrong decisions when you're on your own. I remember growing up, one of the greatest things that I had growing up was great godly friends. I hung out with my cousins and other godly friends. And why is that important? Because you are going to have moments of weakness. You're going to have moments of temptation in your life. And if you're with the wrong people, when that happens, watch out because you're going to be in the wrong place. But if you are with the right people when that happens, they're going to spur you on and say, Philip, that's not what we're called to be. Come on, you're better than that. Come on, change your thoughts, change your ways. You've got to surround yourself. I'm here today because of the people I surrounded myself with and still surround myself with. Let me say that again. And still surround myself with. You've got to look for those long-term friendships and relationships. You've got to do life together. And it's so important because it's not just at church. There's a whole lot more time outside of church. We need to have life-given relationships that are speaking into us, that are building into our lives, not draining us. So we gasp back into church and and we get what we need so we can go out and next week, come on, you've got to have life-given relationships around you every day. So that means what? You've got to monitor death relationships or life-sucking relationships. I didn't say cut them off because we're in the world to win the world, but we've got to watch because we cannot try to save someone else at the expense of our own lives. 
You can't give what you haven't got. So if your tank is empty, you need to know the people, places and things that you need to do to fill your tank. Because if not, you've got to also identify the people, places and things that will drain your tank. And you've got to watch those areas in your life. Come on, you've got to be in a group. Get connected in your church. Come on, if you're married, you need to be in Married for Life. Wow, it's great. The first Sunday of every month, be here. It's absolutely incredible teaching. But you get to hang out on a table with other people, exchange phone numbers and information and hang out with other married couples. All the ladies, you need to be in sisterhood. Second Monday of every month. Make that commitment to say, I'm going to be in that. I'm going to be in that. First Monday or second Monday? Second Monday. Of every month. I thought that was right. Real men. Third Tuesday of every month. Be around real men. Help with each other. Come on. Be in Connect Plus. The last Friday of every month. If you're 50 and plus. Be around other people. Come on. They know how to, they know how to party. Can I tell you that? The 50 pluses. They have a good time together. Crossroads every Friday night. Be here. Be in a family. Be in a connection. If you're struggling. You don't have to do life on your own. And you know something we often forget, and there's other areas, come on, in the youth and in the kids, be here, be connected as they do the small groups and they work together. But something else that we fail to realize many times is one of the greatest groups that we can be in to encourage us and build community in our life is when we serve in the church, when we serve with those in the nursery, when we serve with those in the cafe, when we serve with those on the bus, when we serve, serve, serve. Why? Because we're building friendships for a lifetime. And we're beginning to realize the importance of our life and our place. Because that's family. Family is not just someone else's need. Family is their need and yours too. And we can see that and we can take care of that. So let me read again, if I could, Acts 2, 42 through 47. It says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. Devote your life to that. In the breaking of bread and in prayer, then then fear came on every soul and signs and wonders were done throughout their lives. Now all who believed were together. They had all things in common. They sold their possessions good, divided them amongst themselves as anyone had a need. That's not what we have to do right now, but we can still meet a need in other people's lives. Come on, you don't have enough money. I can pay for something. I can take you out. And so they continued daily with one accord in the temple. They were in church. They fellowshiped together from house to house. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Be thankful for what you've got on the way to what God can give you. Praising God. And they had favor with all people. And the Lord added to his church. That's what I want to see. Amen. You know why I want to see that? Because of everything that happens before. Because by the time God's adding to the church, your family's where it needs to be because you're in the right place. You're doing the right things. Come on, our motive of seeing church growth is because your family grow. <coughs> excuse me, your family grows and changes as our church grows. Amen. Because it's through that growth that change happens in the church. And so we see all these things and the Lord added to his church daily. Those who were being saved, they devoted themselves. You've got to be intentional to devotion. You've got to be intentional to pass a test. You've got to be intentional to connect with other people because those kind of things don't just happen. You don't fluke your way into success. You've got to be intentional and make it count. And when you live that way, guess what? People will see it 
people will want it and your life will begin to touch other people. Our culture in this church is we want to build a family. Why? Because that's not just why Jesus came. That's how Jesus came. Jesus came eating and drinking, hanging out, fellowshipping, being a family with other people around him. The how of our life will determine the why. Can I say that again? The how of our life. How we live our lives will determine why, the results of our life. So many of us want the results to determine the character. But character builds the results. Come on. The how determines the why. The why doesn't determine the how. So how we live our lives, how we are, is important. Jesus knew the importance, even down to the fact, before he was going to die on the cross, he said, come on, let's have one more meal together. And how important was that meal as he laid out the Lord's Supper with them and told them and prepared them for what was ahead. Come on, church prepares us. The right friendships around us prepare us. Why? Because we need to love like Jesus. But in order to love like Jesus, we need to understand where that love is found and where we can build that love and where we can have his love. Touch a life through your family, through your life, and realize that the only reason we can do all of this is because Jesus loved us. Would you bow your heads all over this place today? We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heartseas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.